What's up, homies? Welcome back to the Outkick Bets podcast. This is your NFL Week 13 gambling preview. Stick around a little longer and, or stick around till the end, excuse me, and listen to Fox News financial analyst Scott Martin's Barking Dog segment of the week, or you could just click the, uh, or go right to the uh, time code that's in the episode description. But first, I'm going to discuss some of my picks and the biggest games in NFL Week 13 with the homie Dan Z. Dan, what's up, bro? Ah, just trying to survive out here, man. <laughs> well, you took last week off from gambling. Do you feel better about it? Or no. Do you feel better about yourself because of it? No, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't post any picks, but I did tell you I was going to hit the over in Monday night football, which went for a combined 12 points. So, I mean, sorry, 22 points, but uh, pretty much cemented where I'm at at this point. Don't get down the dumps, dude. You're handicapping and your analysis is still spot on or strong. You just going through a cold streak. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little depressed, as you might be able to tell. Yeah, you're down the dumps, but... I think I'll talk you into some bets here, or at least get some actionable intel out of you. All right, let's do that. Let's see where we let's see what happens here. All right. Well, first off, week twelve was a profitable one for me. Went three and two, parred again in the circa million contest. My season long record is thirty one twenty eight and one. I finished last season ten games above five hundred. I'm trying to duplicate or improve on that. There's pretty much no chance of me making the money currently, so that sucks. But if I can just end with all winning weeks this season, we'll see. I just I just want a winning record so I can feel better about myself for inter- when I enter this again next season. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's smart. I, I think next year, I don't know, I feel like you and I need to go in together. Oh, baby. I would love that like, idea. Like, we'll enter together. Maybe we'll do a separate entry each and a combined entry. What can you get in, like, the DraftKings season long contest in Connecticut? Oh, you know, I meant to check that this year. I don't know. I didn't end up, I didn't end up looking into it. I don't know if they still do it, to be honest, but I'm not sure. I'll have to look into that. Well, if any of those legal sports books do it, and you, you can just do that from the, comfort of your own home and your couch that'd yeah, be you're, preferable you're probably right because then you can can you could probably submit picks up until even kickoff right yeah and i'm that pretty sure nice. the lines aren't static that's the thing really? with like the super contest and the circa is when they publish the lines uh wednesday i think is the super contest and thursday the circa those are the lines so if any big injury news happens thursday friday and the line moves well that could help you out or throw you off or put you on the wrong uh But it benefits people direction. who are in Vegas and who put in their picks late, I would imagine. Yeah, but you also I think you can I think you can select one game at a time on the DraftKings or FanDuel season long mm. contest. So if you love the opening number, for instance, I took the Houston Texans minus three earlier this week because I knew it was gonna get to three and a half. I would have done the same thing in a DraftKings or FanDuel contest. Um, I'm still going to take Houston minus three and a half. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But 
that's just like one of the advantages of playing in those kind of contests. But either way, if you can come out for the Vegas trip for NFL opening night, that'll be sick, regardless if we enter yeah, the gonna... uh, Circa Million together. Yeah, it might be dangerous, but we might need to do a, a live pod from Vegas. That'd be very dangerous. Probably a couple cocktails in, really have some fun, really <laughs> let it fly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's table this for the time being. We'll discuss that as 2024 approaches, but I'm loving the slate this week. I got to be honest. Um, I'm going to start off with Thursday night football. Seahawks. It's always a bad sign, by the way. I said that last week, though, and I ended up three and two. Fair enough. Listen, uh, last time I said I loved a slate, I went three and seven. So. (laughs) All right. Fair. Yeah. Good point. Um, but let's start off with the Seattle Seahawks, um, Dallas Cowboys game, Thursday night football. Uh, I don't have a chance or the circa million contest lines haven't came out as of us recording this podcast, which is 430 Wednesday. Um, but this is going to be one of my five picks. Typically, if you're going to submit Thursday, you want the Thursday pick um, to be strong or have like your I don't know, the most confidence of all your picks. This one's a case of just, I've looked at the entire board. It's a slimmer slate because there's six buy teams or six teams on a buy. Um, and I just feel good about the the Seahawks here. It's not my best pick, but whatever. I, I just feel like it's a buy low spot for Seattle and a sell high spot for Dallas. Probably the, um, the extreme cases for both teams. You know, Seattle just got punked by San Francisco on primetime. Dallas just punked Washington in primetime. And Dallas, again, I've faded Seattle recently. I'm not high on Geno Smith. Um, And their red zone and third down efficiency is disgusting. But this is more of a fade on Dallas. What's their best win this season? The five and six Los Angeles Rams. But that's the thing. Like, it's not like Seattle is a good team that, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know that this is right in there. This is right in Dallas's wheelhouse of teams that they smoke. Well, yeah, I guess the question is how good is Seattle? Because they were a playoff team last year. Since Mike McCarthy became the head coach of the Cowboys, Dallas is 8-14 and 14 straight up and 9-13 and 13 against the spread versus playoff teams. They're still in a playoff seating. Now, their next four games are terrible. They could fall off or fall out of the playoff contention, but they still have a winning record through, you know, up until week 13. And they're actually better than Dallas in net early down success rate. So they can move the ball inside of the 20s. It's just keeping the drives going on third down and punching it in the red zone, which is their biggest issues. But again, like Dallas, they suck against good teams. And I would say Seattle is an above average team in today's NFL. Do you disagree with that part? Uh, yeah, I think Seattle's been insanely lucky. Uh, I think Dallas has actually been rather unlucky and is better than their record suggests. I think they're actually top to bottom better than the Eagles. Um, so yeah, you, I don't tripping. I like I like Dallas this year. I do think I went on Dakis this morning and I said this is a huge year for McCarthy. Uh, relative, like what happens in the regular season is irrelevant. Not going to win the East. They're going to get. They're actually going to get the second best playoff spot in the NFC. If you don't get the number one seed, the seed you want in the NFC is five. 
So you get to play the NFC South winner in the first round. So they're going to play Atlanta or New Orleans in the first round. They should smoke them easily. Well, and I mean, then I think we'll have a – What I'm sorry? I mean, San Fran will get a home game against Josh Dobbs, Matthew Stafford, which, you know, I like the Rams to talk about that, or Geno Smith, who they own. Still think I'd rather play the NFC South winner. Fair enough. I do. And not only that, you're going to be playing him in a dome, um, which is a benefit for Dallas as well, because that's where they play their home games. So it'll be a de facto home game. Uh, Anyway, point being, this is huge. Like McCarthy has the team. If they don't win, I mean, winning one playoff game, like beating the Falcons or beating the Saints is not like he needs to beat the Eagles and uh, on the second weekend. And I think they can do it. I really do. I might actually bet Dallas to win the Super Bowl. What are the odds right now? Good question. I should probably look into that before I make such uh, wild provocations. I think they're probably 10 to 1. Yeah, I think, I'm looking right now. If that, if I think 10 is a good number. 9. Of course, they're right at 9. Right below where 10 would be a trigger pull and 9's like, ugh. I mean, I definitely think there are five teams better than them right now in the NFL or with a better chance to win the Super Bowl. And I actually don't put them in that Super Bowl te- tier because I don't believe Dak Prescott will win a Super Bowl. Um, I have I, – and I think the Bills are actually better than them, even though their record – Yeah, but that's sort of irrelevant. Like, that's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about sort of path to the Super Bowl, which is that Dallas is probably – They're going to go into Philly and they're going to go into San Francisco. Maybe. You, are you saying maybe because you think there's a chance they could run down the Eagles? I mean, Eagles lose this week. Cowboys beat them in their second meeting. There's a pass. No, I'm saying no. I'm just saying you just never know what's going to happen. I think I think Detroit's still possibly in play to make a run as well. They could win a playoff game and they could end up facing Detroit. Speaking which of which, I love Dallas in that matchup. You think Dallas is better than Detroit? I do. Yeah. I don't. I don't agree, but. Depending on the line, I probably wouldn't like fade you or bet against Dallas in that spot. We'll see. But Seattle beat Detroit earlier this season. That was their best um, win on their resume, and they did it in Detroit. Detroit actually had a rest edge as well. So um, I don't think Seattle's as bad as the market's saying they are. I think nine, nine and a half is too big of a number. The look-ahead line for next week, uh, Seattle versus San, San Francisco is San Francisco. Minus ten and a half at home. Simply put, I think the 49ers are more than one and a half points better than the Cowboys. So I think I'm getting some value here. So that's my first best bet. We'll see though, right? Next game. Denver Broncos at the Houston oh Texans. I'm taking the te- I'm laying the three and a half with the Texans. Denver I, I just, is the luckiest team in the NFL. By even just bringing this up. Why? Why? I'm so I, I just hate Denver so much. I'm so tired of this nonsense and all these non-football people who think they know shit. And like, look, I get it, right? The NFL, like all sports, it's a results business. At the end of the day, all that people care about are wins and losses. The thing is, past wins aren't as predictive of future wins as people want them to be. And I think that's a really important point. And. There are other stats that are more predictive of future success than wins. 
And looking at Denver and going, hey, six and five. Go ahead. You got this. I know you got the numbers to back up why they're six and five is so ridiculously fraudulent. You can't even you can barely quantify how fraudulent their record is. Um. Well, they actually are minus forty two in first down differential. <laughs> As in, their opponents have forty two more first downs than them. Um, that's four a game. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a lot. Like people don't think that's a lot. Like that's a lot. It's a huge game. number. For a team like they should be three and eight with numbers like that like wh- do you have first down differential up for like the other teams that are around them i bet the teams that are around them are like the carolina panthers chicago bears like i bet it's those teams um not that specifically but denver is 25th in net epa per play they're 29th in net yards per play Above them is actually Washington. They're tied with Carolina, and they're ahead of Cincinnati and the New York Giants. So they're terrible. And that's another part of my point, which is Houston is tiers above Denver in raw stats, like tiers above them. Net EPA, Houston. Like Honestly, watch the two teams play. They're a better team. For sure. Period. Yeah. Three and a half. This line is ridiculous. Yeah, Denver's dining off of Russell Wilson winning a Super Bowl with Pete Carroll, I don't know, 11 years ago, and Sean Payton winning one 15 years ago. I saw a crazy stat that, like, Denver's average – I think maybe I sent it to you. I hope I did because then I'll be able to find it easier. But it was, like, Denver's average starting field position over, like, the last five – over their win streak is, like, the opponent's 46. And they've only scored two touchdowns on opponent turnovers, even though they've had, like, 14 of them and half of which have started in plus territory, they, they don't score. Yeah. They get the ball in their opponent's territory and don't score. That is not the mark of a good team. Yeah, um, NFL handicapper Cleve T.A. tweeted something out about that, talking about how their average field position is the opponent's 46. They've had the most drives started following a turnover, but they only have two touchdowns after those turnovers which is the second lowest rate in the NFL. Yeah, 15 they... drives starting after a turnover. Two touchdowns. It's crazy. Bro, it's not just crazy. Like and it, again, it's not like they're they're turning their opponent over in the red zone in their, you know, in their red zone and, and have to go like no, they're getting the ball on the plus side of the field. 15 times two touchdowns. I, I god. I can't They've yeah. actually only even they've actually only scored on nine of those drives. They're all like they they're only kicking. They're, it's not even like they're they're kicking field goals on all of them. It's like okay, well at least they're putting points on the board. Like no, they're doing like they're getting lucky turnovers and then doing just enough to barely outscore their opponents. And people are like Sean Payton, guy's a genius. Jack guy can just flat out coach. Yeah, I mean they're the luckiest team in the NFL, and like you said, uh, casual NFL fans are chalking it up as well. Russell Wilson and Sean Payton are figuring it out. No, they're dumb lucky. Like last week, they beat Cleveland twenty nine twelve. On paper, you look at that you're like, oh wow, they beat the shit out of Cleveland, and they kind of did, right? But Cleveland, they played against both of Cleveland's backup quarterbacks. Uh, Russell yeah. Wilson had a negative four percent completion over expectation, so he wasn't throwing good balls. They won the turnover battle 3-1, to one, which brings them to a plus 13 turnover differential over the last five games. They had fewer first downs than the Cleveland Browns with P.J. Walker and DTR. And Cleveland was 2 of 13 on third down. 
So Cleveland played like shit, and Denver just accepted the their. Yeah, and I'm not. The, the, I'm also not buying this this whole thing that like Sean Payton got their defense figured out. Like, let's not for, like someone on our editorial call the other day was like, "Hey, got to give Sean Payton credit. You know, they gave up 70 points, and that defense didn't give up." Like, no, their defense still stinks. They're just getting turnovers, and they're not one of those defenses. I try to look this up, but it's hard to quantify. It's like. Some defenses are good at generating turnovers because they do things that generate turnovers. Number one is just pass rush, right? The better your pass rush, the more likely you are to create turnovers. Sack fumbles and or pressure on the quarterback leads to more interceptions. But Denver doesn't do that. Like they're, If you watch their games, the turnovers that they get aren't really the result of great defense, but just sort of really poor offensive play. I mean, some sure, but not enough to go, this team is good at creating turnovers. Like, Dallas is good at creating turnovers, but not as much. It, their pass rush has a lot to do with it. And their defensive backs kind of play to that. Like, look, we know the quarterback's got to get it out quick. We're going to take some risks thinking our guys are going to get there and the quarterback's going to have to make a quick decision and we can make a play. That's not what Denver's doing. And that's what annoys me about all of this. Like, Denver's defense, I don't think, is any better than it was. It's still a team that gave up 70 points, which is a historically bad number. They're just not giving up as many points now because the opponents are turning the ball over yeah dude it's ridiculous yeah we're I'm, on the I'm, same page here I'm, I'm way on with you like i i said i wasn't gonna bet this weekend but i i just don't see any way this is i said the bills last week was a mortgage game it was correct by the way the three and a half although it got real froggy there at the end but the three and a half was never really in in trouble um, yeah, for one, buffalo once i won the overtime coin toss it was like all right i'm cashing this one right and and it wasn't even most of the game, right? Like, I never felt like Buffalo wasn't going to cover that spread. I don't. I didn't feel that way at any point during that game. Um, that felt like the right side the whole way. And I think that's this game this week, Houston. I think Houston wins this game by 13 points. Yeah, they lost, and you could say, well, maybe it's a letdown after losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But they played a great game. They just, you know, got outplayed. Jaguars. There's no. There, there's just no world where Russell Wilson outplay cj stroud this weekend oh, man that's crazy i agree with you 100 percent. but you know russell wilson versus a rookie and there's no chance he outplays him zero <laughs> all right let's go to a game that i have no action in but it's your beloved los angeles chargers versus no the... i'm done i'm done you sold all your stock i sold my stock and who specifically because you've been a staley supporter Okay, supporter, yes, only Defender. because the market and everyone else hates him so much. And I just don't think he's as bad. But then that paints me as like, you think Staley's a good coach. I'm like, I think he's better than you think he is. But that's only because your opinion of him is like Rex Ryan, who's like, he should be coaching D3 football. I think that's, I mean, that's where the opinion of him is, that he doesn't belong in the NFL. I think that's insane. Uh, the Chargers, by the way, are super unlucky. Like you talked about the luck factor, as usual, though. So at some point, maybe it's just... I always laugh at you when you say things like, you know, oh, I'm just feeling this or there's a curse or whatever. Cause I'm always like, that's silly, but man, watching the chargers the last couple of years, it just does feel like there is something like I, I it's cosmic. But it's, it's like but reverse Tomlin. Watching the game against the Ravens. What frustrated me more than anything was I actually think Staley put together a really good defensive plan for Lamar Jackson. Um, if you watch that game, Jackson was very uncomfortable. Yeah. Like he brought pressure from the right spots at the right times. And Jackson did not really 
thrive, but the problem was they just kept leaving the middle of the field wide open. And this is what annoys me about teams is, and I was sending you a video uh, earlier today about Seattle just leaving the middle of the field, just wide open, guys that are 15 yards apart and letting receivers sit down. Like there were a couple times where they had pressure in Jackson's face in like 1.5 seconds, and all he did was just like flip it to the middle of the field where there's not, when they when the camera pans over, not a charger in sight. Like, not a defender in sight. It's like, you're bringing pressure. You know Jackson's going to have to get rid of the ball. Why are you not defending the part of the field where he's almost definitely going to have to throw the football? And, yeah. the tw- like, there's no ex- – like, the the 12 men on the field to start the game, the first play on defense to send 12 players out, look, there's no defense of that. I can't. I, I, I That was so bad. And it was at that moment, because I had bet the Chargers uh, plus the points. By the way, we'll talk about that, because I, I nailed that one, sadly. Yeah. But it was at that moment, I was like, this bet's dead. It's dead. There, there's just no chance. Yeah, I went three and two on the strength of the Ravens covering three and a half. Which... So I texted, I texted Jeff, because the Ravens had a field goal attempt to go up by six. Line was three and a half. Ravens had a field goal attempt to go up by six, and they missed it, which gave the Chargers the ball back, which meant the two... The only results to that game that made any sense at the time were the Chargers score a touchdown to go ahead and they cover easily. The Ravens stop the Chargers and then run out the clock and the Chargers still cover, obviously, at that point. The Chargers kick a field goal and we go to overtime and the way that game had been played, very light on offense, likely a field goal is going to win the game in overtime. Like the Chargers have to cut, like their cover percentage at that point, if, if you put a live line at that moment, Chargers plus three and a half, after Justin Tucker missed that kick, had to be minus a thousand. Yeah, yeah. Because there just right. were there was no world where the Chargers don't cover that number because of all the ways the game could play out. Yeah, and as I a, texted you as a Ravens backer. I was hoping that they would send it to overtime. That can get I could. That get was your best. That, that was your best shot at that point. It was like yeah. all right, if the Chargers and you start doing that cover math, you're like all right, if they kick a field goal, go to overtime. Ravens win the coin toss, get the ball, drive down the field, score a touchdown. Still got this. You were not thinking about what ended up happening because there was no world in which it happened. But I texted you and I said, it's going to be hilarious and sad when the Chargers find a way to not cover this spread. And what, of course, happened? The Ravens, <laughs> while running out the clock, score a touchdown. That they, yeah. they, for all intents and purposes, didn't need and probably shouldn't have scored, score a touchdown well, to win the game by 10 points. Zay Flowers hasn't scored a touchdown in America yet, I guess, and that was like, Part well, of the he reason. did score earlier in the game, though. That was his second touchdown of the game. Oh, was it? Oh, all right. Then. Yeah. I, I heard because he did the bouquet. He did the bouquet toss that Jackson was making fun of him for earlier in the game. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know what he was doing then. Yeah, when there was an intentional grounding on fourth down on 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 Herbert, and I think the Ravens got the ball on the Chargers like forty-five yard line. So what I was hoping for was a quick first down, and then like. Um, a fourth, uh, a you know, a stop with, I don't know, like a fourth and five inside of the think, thirty we yard line. The, well, we were under the two minute warning, so if they get a first down on the first play, you're looking at two timeouts left. So, yeah, about a minute left. You probably, I don't know if you kick that field goal though. It would have depended what would have happened on the next couple of plays. Well, the, I think you go for like a fourth and one there. Although yeah, Harbaugh doesn't. That's what I'm saying. Like a fourth and five. Inside the Chargers, thirty. You got Justin Tucker. 
You don't think, I think he's it was insane that they tried to kick that field goal in the first place, by the way. And I sent that to you. And it had nothing to do with the fact that he missed. What was the down and or what was the distance on the fourth? It's fourth and one. Yeah. It was fourth and one from like the whatever yard line it was. You've got Lamar. Like you have one of the best rushing attacks in the league. You have the benefit of the fact that you can essentially run the Wildcat with someone who can throw the football. So you have the benefit of a quarterback who can run. You've got the like to me. That was such a terrible decision by Harbaugh. And like I said, if the score were, if, even if they were up by four and that field goal made it a seven point game, I could maybe see it. I don't like where you're up by, like a touchdown beats you whether you kick the field goal or not. And I don't like that situation. And not only that, it incentivizes the Chargers offense to try to score a touchdown. Whereas I told you, like being up three in a weird way almost makes it. Not more likely to win, but it's not the worst spot. Like if you're if your opponent is down six, the only option is uh, win or lose in regulation. Now at that point, essentially, right? They either score a touchdown to win yeah. or they don't. And it's probably going to run out the rest of the clock. If you're up three, overtime is still an option, and the the Chargers at the, at that point would play conservative. They got into field goal range. It's not like they're going to press to score the touchdown to win necessarily. They might be a little more like, hey, we, we got the field goal. We don't want to blow that. Like, at worst, we want to be kicking a field goal. They they want their final play to be at the end of regulation, regardless if they're going to overtime yeah. or if they're trying to get the ball in the end zone. I just, uh, again, sorry, I got, I got off on a tangent here, but it's just upset. Like, I was just like, I cannot believe John Harbaugh is not going for this fourth down. It, 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 it defied all logic. I didn't look at the numbers on it, and I'll have to go back and see what the analytics said, but I can't imagine they were in favor of that field goal. And I think it probably was a was heavy go for it. No. Well I think I th- we talked about this. I believe Harbaugh's the most conservative coach in the NFL. I don't know that to be true. I am not I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm I'm not sure what those numbers are. I, I think know it is. Running backs don't matter might have that. I mean Zach Taylor's really bad at this, but I think Harbaugh's right there too. Kyle Shanahan's like surprisingly conservative. It's all the guys you think wouldn't be Mickey. Andy Reid. Shanahan. Like it, all the guys with great offenses that you'd think, like, you have a great offense. Like, go, you're probably going to get one yard. Like, go for it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Andy Reid kicked a punt of the ball on, like, fourth and three in Philly's side of the field um, when the Chiefs <laughs> lost to the Eagles a couple That's weeks ago. Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and he's he's going to the Hall of Fame, right? Like, one of the, like to your point, like, some of the best coaches in the NFL pull this shit. Tomlin's pretty we conservative. We talked about this. Um Many times, I think, like not necessarily on the pod, but just separately, um, that a lot of the great coaches are great at like managing the locker room, putting together a game plan, but just still don't understand the in-game part, the clock and just situational what to do. Or maybe we're just the ones who are stupid and they're the geniuses because, I mean, they're in the position and we're not, but I don't know. No, I, I, I think you may. I mean, there are obvious like time management timeout management situations that Andy Reid has botched over the years and a bunch of other coaches as well. As far as the Chargers, Patriots, I have that bet on the Patriots to have the worst record. I need some help from the Panthers. need a little help from the Cardinals. Still an outside chance that cashes. I think they're laying down. I think the Chargers are going to be able to do whatever they want offensively. I heard a stat that um, teams that hold opponents to 10 or fewer points are 50-2 and two this year. The only two losses of the New England Patriots in the last two weeks. Losing to Tommy DeVito is a joke. And 
they don't know what they're doing with quarterback. They know that they don't have a good quarterback. I don't think Bill Belichick's Patriot way bullshit is working anymore. No one's going to take it easy on them because of the Patriots. So I do expect the Chargers to handle them pretty convincingly. But when you're as cursed as that team, I'm just not going to lay six on the road with you. I found four or five other spots that I prefer here in NFL Week 13. So I'm going to move forward with them. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Speaking of which... Um, my third pick we're going to talk about here, I'm going back to the well for the final time, perhaps with the Carolina Panthers. There is a article on our website with the headline, the Carolina Panthers coach and quarterback combo gives them value to win the NFC East or the NFC South, excuse me. And the writer of that article is me. Oh, <laughs> uh, whoops. I was dead on with the Houston Texans. I made uh, several good um, season-long future predictions, one of which was the Patriots being bad. Holy shit, do I feel stupid about this one. Frank Reich, I don't think, was given a fair chance. I agree with the article that you wrote um, the other day, whereas David Tepper might be the worst owner in the NFL. He's awful. He doesn't know his ass from his elbow, but... Be that as it may, Panthers suck, and I was wrong about the Bryce Young and Frank Reich matrimony. That being said, I'm going to bet him here because there is a boost, or the NFL NFL teams do play harder when their coaches are fired. We talked about this um, off air, but in baseball and basketball, those are guaranteed contracts. Those stars, the any of the players on the roster, they don't give a shit if the coach is fired, right? They don't care. Like, it doesn't affect their livelihood. But in the NFL, there's a lot of players that are there because a coach vouched for them. And Carolina cleaned house. Like, not only did they fire Frank Reich, but they got rid of the quarterback coach, Josh McNown. They got rid of the running back coach, Deuce Staley. The special teams coordinator has taken over the show. He gave back play-calling duty to offensive coordinator Thomas Brown. So there is a lot of change on the coaching staff, and I think that's going to uh, motivate Carolina to have its best or most passionate performance of the season. 
But this is also a fade on Tampa Bay, who I don't think should be laying more than four against any team in the NFL. They're minus 29 in first down differential, 27th in net YPP, um, 30th in net early down success rate. And granted, Carolina's down there with a bunch of them or and all those stats. But, you know, we got Baker, who's a little bit gimpy. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers' pass defense is atrocious, so I feel like Bryce Young will be able to uh, move the ball in the air. And I'm going to take the five and a half for the last time with the Panthers. If they blow this one, then I will ban them for the rest of the year. Thoughts? Fair. Want to move on to the game of the week? Yeah, no. Britain. If you want to see what I think about the Carolina Panthers, Bryce Young, all that, you can find uh, find my article. David Tepper, Outkick. Google that. Yeah. My article will come up. Read that. I'll tell you everything you need to know. You follow Dan on uh, X at Real Dan Zach. You can get all there. of his takes. Absolutely. All right, let's go to the game of the week, which I pussied out of making a pick on the San Francisco 49ers at the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles, I think, are two-and-a-half-point home underdogs. I just can't do it. I think San Francisco is a better team. I think San Francisco is going to win this game. It's up to three at points bet, but I just don't feel good betting against Philly as home underdogs. Like That is one of the truly best home field advantages in the NFL. I think besides maybe quarterback, San Francisco is better than Philly on in every position. I think in the luck rankings that you shared with me via team rankings, Philly's around the top. They've been outgained, I think, in four straight games, and they've won all four of them. Um, they're 10-1 on the season, yet they're a big By the underdog. way, shout out to the Steelers for finally outgaining a team. Yeah, dude. I think it took 12 weeks for them to, or 11 weeks for them to outgain their opponent, but they did it. I think last week was their first 400 yard performance in three years. Since, yeah, since the beginning of 2020. It's been, it's actually been more than three full seasons because I think it happened like in September of 2020. Yeah. I mean, it was like 50 plus games that they went without, with, without 400 yards in today's NFL. Like, that's wild. Yeah. Apparently, Matt Canada didn't do a good job for Pittsburgh. By the way, the bets at DraftKings, um, DraftKings still has it at plus two and a half Philly, although uh, San Francisco is juiced at minus 118 for minus two and a half, but they have it at 65% bets on Philly. I I think you're right here. Like, I I know it's like Philly just feels like such an obvious bet for everyone, right? Like they're the reigning NFC champions. They are coming off a huge win over Buffalo that was viewed by like, I think it, I think that game set some records for CBS, like 30 million people is one of the most, I think it was the most watched non Thanksgiving regular season game in like several years. It was an extremely public win where everyone went like, you know, it, it goes back to those things we talk about that always make me laugh when people are like Jalen Hurts just knows how to win. Right. Like that, that intangible stuff that like is kind of made up. That's not really real. And you just kind of go like that. It just, it is. But like at some point it is like Tomlin and the Steelers, like just doesn't seem to matter who the roster is. Even this year, they're not very good. They got out. They've been out game 10 of 11 games and they won seven of them. Like, but you just can't keep relying on that. Like you, you can't, they got outplayed by Buffalo. There's no question about it. Like Buffalo looked like the better team. They should have won the game. I thought 
I did think Philly got some benefit from the referees. I don't want to be that guy, but like it just it looked pretty clear. That's the only worry here is betting Philly at home because like I think referees are genuinely afraid of getting on the wrong side of the Philly crowd because they will f your ass up. Yeah, dude. Like, look again. Like that might seem like silly analysis, but at the same time, reps are human, man. And like there are definitely some home crowds. I guarantee you that these guys are like more like. I don't think they're worried when they go to Houston, right? Yeah. Or like, you know what I mean? Dude, I or have, Jacksonville. I have gambling degenerate buddies that won't bet the NFL because it's too subjective. That's not it's not a terrible point, honestly. No, it's not at all. And when I heard it put that way where it's like you put all this money and analysis into a game and then you have a 60-yard pass interference that's pretty much just like hand fighting and it completely swings the win probability. It's like Damn it, betting the NFL is so much fun. I love it, but you make a great point. <laughs> no, it's it's totally true. And it's not even just that. Like, you know, those are the obvious ones, but it's that five yard holding penalty on third down that doesn't, you know, it's it seems big, but then the next play goes for 40 yards. Like legitimately, but yeah. they shouldn't have been on the field in the first place. Yeah, dude. But that automatic first down in the like is I think they might have to do something about that. Yeah. Well, we talked about like how scoring is down this year, and my thought is if there weren't all these um, offense-friendly fr- penalties, like the scoring would be even worse. Like these defenses and teams are just too fast. Like if if this was the old, if this was the '90s NFL where you couldn't go over the middle, I mean, how would how would teams get up and down the field? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I, like they wouldn't. Yeah. But because I actually and I said this today on Dak, it's like I think there's been a defensive resurgence in the NFL. Like I think defense is legitimately just sort of adapted. It always takes a little bit, right? Like these rules kind of started coming in fast and furious, like the all the pass interference stuff can't hit receivers and quarterbacks. It took defenses a couple of years to kind of figure out like, OK, but they do. They always do. And I think we're seeing kind of a defensive renaissance where there are a lot of really talented defensive players making huge impacts and defensive lines are frankly better than offensive lines right now across yep. the board. Like just one for one defensive lines are, are beating offensive lines right now. Well, I think there's just more depth in defense and uh, like defensive lines than there are offensive lines. And we're going to talk yeah, about that true. actually in a second with the, the Browns Rams game. Um, no, but I, all, all my whole lean towards the Niners is really just, it's sucker. It's it's square stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're better. It's a revenge. It's not spot. like I think this is an opposite square play. Like I think the square play is. I think Philly's money line is going to get devoured this weekend. Philly at home yeah. plus money on the money line. Really, what I want to do is I want to, I want to include the Eagles in a teaser. Have the first couple legs play in the morning games and the and the the one o'clock window, and then like San Francisco plus three and a half. And then, and then take San Francisco money line as like the middle. So I'll have like the the Eagles up to nine, and then San Francisco money line to try to scoop the whole pot. Mm. Yeah, I don't hate that one. Um, but it's also it feels like the squarest play will be the Eagles money line. Second is the Eagles plus the points. The third is the Eagles as a teaser leg, right? <laughs> Yeah, Eagles plus nine or plus eight and a half, whatever it is. 
I mean, any I, a sucker that has a teaser is going to tease the Eagles up. Because you think there's no way the Eagles could lose by more than a touchdown at home. Same shit I did Thanksgiving, you know? No way. I mean, I'm looking no at, way the Lions look, or the, the 49ers lose, right? Not I'm looking at the betting splits right now, and you're seeing, you know, Philly, 56% of the bets, San Francisco, 62% of the money. Yep. Yeah. It's a pros versus Joes game, at least according to DraftKings. I, I just I feel funny about it. And I feel like this is a tough one. Like if the Eagles show up or the Eagles cover, I'd feel stupid betting against them in the, in the, at the link, honestly. It depends how it goes. Yeah. But let's talk about my best bet of uh, NFL Week 13, which is uh, my Los Angeles Rams hosting the Cleveland Browns. I'm kind of a Rams whisperer. I'm 6-3 and three when betting them this season. Um <laughs> The Browns are going to be missing Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb, and their left tackle. They could be without Miles Garrett, who heard a pop in his shoulder and had a, his uh, arm in a sling after last week's game against Denver. They could be without Denzel Ward for another game. Amari Cooper left last week injured. Um, and this is the healthiest Rams have been since the Super Bowl win, really. Um, I'm buying their offense now that Kyron Williams is back on the field. I think Kyron Williams and 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 Royce Freeman um, add another dimension to that offense, which is just Stafford slinging the ball around the around the field. The first part of the season, Puka and Cooper Cup are a legit wide receiver tandem, and Denver's offense was able to run the ball against Cleveland's defense because Cleveland's defense a little banged up. They scored twenty nine points. Granted, it was lucky a lot of them, but I think. If Denver can have a have some success versus Cleveland's defense, I think the Rams can too. And I, I do believe the Rams um, have a better quarterback, which that's not a hot take, and, and a better coach. Yeah, Cleveland's got the better defense, but the defense is banged up, and they might be just tired of you know carrying the offense at this point. This really has no AFC playoff tiebreaker implications, so I'm going to take the Rams. It's a big number, and that's what's scaring people off, but the Browns are down six starters and difference makers. I don't know. I, to me, it feels easy, but what, what are your – do you have any pushback? Are you agreeing, agreeing with me? How, how do you feel about this? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I pretty much just agree with what you say. There's no reason to belabor the point. Yeah, I mean, they're saying Joe Flacco could start for the Browns. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. I'll take that. I will say though, I, I I would prefer that DTR start, but if you're betting the Rams, if you're betting the Rams, yeah, I agree with that. There is a world where Joe Flacco turns back the clock and has a good game and slings it, and it doesn't even Aaron have to be Donald great. Again, their their defense is so good, and you are giving up three in the hook. So you know, Browns have shown an ability to at least stay in games, but still feels like the. Uh, Rams should win this pretty pretty easily. Yeah, with the brand, with, excuse me, with the Browns defense, a twenty to seventeen loss is definitely in the cards. So, um, all right, fifth best bet that I have this week: Sunday Night Football, Kansas City Chiefs at the Green Bay Packers. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet the Packers. I took them against the Chargers, got dumb lucky. Um, had the Lions last week in a teaser. Green Bay spoiled that one by. Putting together the best game of the season. Jordan loves the best game ever. But 
Chiefs minus six and a half just feels like too big of a number for me. If you did the five point flip rule for home field advantage, does Kansas City minus eleven and a half sound right? And maybe Green Bay is overrated or getting a little lucky, but Jordan Love is improving. He's fourth in EPA plus completion percentage over expectations since week eight. Um, and these primetime games have been low scoring, tight contests, right? So getting six and a half at home in Lambeau on primetime, and which is essentially a playoff game for the Packers, right? They can't lose anymore. They're still chasing Minnesota, still chasing Seattle. So they need this game like blood. I thought this was interesting too. Kansas City was minus seven and a half at home versus Green Bay in week nine of 2021. Jordan Love started that game because if you remember, Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID. Now, the Chiefs won 13 to seven, but Green Bay covered the spread, obviously. And I ask you, obviously, Devontae Adams is no longer on this team, but like, I think the Chiefs are better then than they are now. And why do you think – it just feels like this is mispriced, honestly. I was going to try to tee you up for a question, but I couldn't think of one fast enough. I just think this is mispriced, essentially. And my last point here is Kansas City's 8-16 and 16 after double-digit wins since 2020 and 1-8 and against the spread as road favorites in that spot. You know, so people see the Chiefs get a big win, and they're like, all right, they're back, and they're going to get it rolling. And then they usually uh, let backers down the next week. I wasn't very impressed by their win over the Raiders last week. So I'm going to fade the Chiefs and uh, buy the Packers. Any any thoughts? Yeah, um, I will go head to head on this one. You're going to take the Chiefs? Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are uh, Do you know what our head to head record is? No clue. <laughs> All right. Cool. I have I had a pin to I think to our Slack channel, but I'm not even sure if that's current. All right, well, let's just this will be a friendly bet. No, no money exchanges hands. Um, but I, yeah, I, I I like the Chiefs here. I do. Um, that might feel square. I'm sure it is, but I, I think the Packers are a little overrated right now. Um, I don't like Jordan Love in prime time at all. He's had a couple opportunities already that haven't gone particularly well. He did play well on Thanksgiving, but. It's not. It wasn't. It's not quite prime time. Um, you all right? No, I winced because I hated that point. Well, how is it not prime time? It's an island game. It's Thanksgiving. It is, but like you don't believe you what know, you just said. I do because you wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and your game's in five hours, as opposed to sitting around and thinking about it all day. I do think that there's a difference between playing at eight o'clock at night and playing at t- noon for sure. Especially, actually, it was Central Time, so. Or no, Detroit's no, sorry, Detroit's Eastern time. But it's a noon game versus an eight o'clock game. Yeah, I, I think it absolutely plays a role. Okay. Fair enough. And I actually think playing at home is weirdly a little tougher for love than I think I think when you go on the road and you're expected to lose, it's a little more freeing. But now the bar has been raised for both him and the Packers team. And this is a big spot hosting Kansas City at home. You gotta think you know, Lambo tickets a couple weeks ago, like they were having trouble giving them away. Like they were cheap. You could get in. Like that ain't gonna be the case here. You got the Chiefs at home, like you said, de facto playoff game. It's gonna be a big crowd at Lambo. Chiefs much, much more comfortable playing in that environment. Mahomes much more comfortable playing in that environment. 
I think Mahomes will outplay Love by a considerable amount, enough to cover a touchdown. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Jordan Love's best game ever was last week, and he balled. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Pat Mahomes actually outplayed him. And it was like kind of like eh, a whatever performance for Mahomes. Yeah, it wasn't not anything you would write home about. <laughs> yeah, but Jordan Love is, is looking good. Christian Watson's healthy. I hope Aaron Jones plays. I have extra time to prep. Lambeau in prime time. Give it to me, baby. I'll go head to head with you here. Yeah, you can have it. I mean, look, I think my play is square. Yours is sharp. But listen, squares have been doing okay this year. It's been a weird year that way. Yeah, weren't favorites 14-2 and two against the spread last week? Isn't that I mean, what it not, was? Not Green Bay. Right, yeah. Green Bay was one of the, the, the flies in the ointment. On well, and the Bills. The Bills covered. That's maybe, two right maybe, off the top of my maybe head. Maybe it was 14 2 straight up. Maybe that's what it was. I know the favorites cashed last week, and the favorites have been doing well this season. So maybe my sharp play loses. We'll see. Uh, final game, I just want to talk about it just to shoot the shit with you about football. I don't have a play in it. Um, I'll end up doing it for content and probably making a bet because I make all the bets that I write. But Cincinnati Bengals at the Jacksonville Jaguars on Monday Night Football. Um, it's would have been an awesome uh, primetime game, but now that Joe Burrow's hurt, this game sucks. Eight and a half, the Jaguars are eight and a half point favorites. I it's tough for me to make a Cincinnati argument here, and I'm just not even going to try. I'm going to end up on the Jaguars. I end up giving it out on Outkick.com. I I like their team, um, like their defense. Um, Travis Etienne, Etienne, one of the better running backs in the league. Trevor Lawrence balling lately. Like, yeah, they got humbled by San Francisco, but. You know, that's not a bad loss, in my opinion. Well, the the ass whooping they took was definitely ugly. But, I mean, I think Cincinnati's just checked out. If you remember the Bengals before Joe Burrow, they were the Bengals. And, you know, I think they're going to go right back to being the Bengals. And they're going to get their ass whooped here on primetime. So, that's where I'm at. Yeah, this is one of those years where, you know, it feels like for the Bengals, they've been making it to the Super Bowl the AFC championship game, like let's get back into the, you know, middle low part of the first round. Let's get another pick in here and let's, let's start working towards next year. Yeah. It's not actually the worst thing. Like after a couple of great years to have like a top 10 pick possibly, or a top 12 pick, like get another, get another dog in there. Um, it's really not the worst case scenario for Cincinnati, quite honestly. Oh, you're talking about a little tanking. I mean, Jake Browning looked terrible. I, I had more confidence in him based on his like again. It's one of those weird things where sometimes coming in in relief off the bench is like easier because you again you didn't have to think about it. And it's like oh my god, now I'm just in here and you're just like off adrenaline. Whereas when you prep all week and you know you're the guy, like he looked way worse after prepping than he did coming in relief, which I thought was interesting. Um, the yeah. numbers are bad too. He was bad, like bad, bad. The big problem is the other team prepping for you, really. Yeah, good point. Yeah, fair point. Absolutely. Uh, Gardner Minshew in like relief duty, his he's got like a hundred and five yeah. quarterback rating, <laughs> and then and and just regular starts, it's it's down around eighty. And I'm trying to. So he come and he usually, who did he come in for in Philly? Right? Was it Jalen no, Hurts? No. Did he right? And like, if you're prepping for Jalen Hurts or Anthony Richardson, and then Gardner Minshew comes in, it's a totally different. Yeah. 
offense. It's like going, it's like facing a power pitcher and then a knuckleball uh, pitcher comes out. You're like, what the hell? Yeah. Tim Wakefield would have been way more successful if they just started a guy who, for like a relief pitcher who threw 100 to go through the lineup once and then just bring him out in like the third inning. Actually, that's genius. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no one throws a knuckleball anymore. So I like the that Jags information's useless. Well. All right, man. We're going to get you back out there. Start making some picks again. I'll think about it. <laughs> All I'll right. Think about it. Well, I'll go home. Think about it. In, in case you change your mind, where can people find you? I mean, look, come find all my great content, man. I'm, I've been cranking out some really interesting stuff uh, the last few weeks. Doing some um, culture, mostly football. I mean, I mostly stick to sports, but like, I'll put a. I like to. What I like to do is talk about how sports kind of reflect culture and how we can learn from from professional sports and professional athletes and apply it to our own lives. Oh, that just got real deep. So, if you want to find that kind of stuff, huh. Outkick.com, Dan Zakrzewski at Real Dan Zach. I know you can't. I know you guys can't see this, but Dan just farted in his hand, cupped it, and smelled it. <laughs> I did that for you. You weren't supposed to tell anyone. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get over to Barking Dogs. Talk to this fool, Scott Martin. All right. You guys know what time it is. The Barking Dogs segment with the homie Fox News financial analyst and Renaissance man. Scott Martin, Scott, another losing week for you in week 12. I'm sorry, buddy. I feel like you're on the right side of a lot of these plays. You're just getting a little unlucky. Uh, I'm on the right side, but I lose. Thank you, Jeff. You have such a big heart. I uh, I don't feel like I'm on the right side because my wallet would say different. But you're right about a couple of things. I'll say speaking of the right side or the bright side or the blind side, as it feels like it is right now, uh, to think of one of my favorite movies that certainly is not anymore. I feel like Jeff, this is this is a, a a week or a few weeks where the public is getting a little bit um, they're getting a little lucky. It's your point, and I think it's also a setup for what's going to be a good end of the run here in the NFL in the next few weeks. But also one where you're right, there has been some bad luck. There's probably been some um, things that I think Vegas, frankly, is still getting wrong on these some of these spreads. Some of these spreads are obviously cashed in for the public, and there are teams, frankly, that are are worse. And let's just put it this way: are are sicker dogs than than we thought? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dogs that are basically on on death watch and should probably never be uh, barked at or pet again. But guess what? We're gonna do. We're gonna pet some more today, baby. Yeah, um, yeah. There are some really sick dogs right now in the NFL. I'm trying to find. I've seen it like this. How the favorites did last week? Um, I know Fox, Fox Sports reported that. Sportsbooks got crushed in week 12. Yeah, they did pretty well. They did pretty well last week. The favorites, the public leans, the favorites. Um, Sportsbooks, too, last week, Jeff got hammered. And I mean hammered. I don't mean hammered like I used to get in college. Hammered like they do just any other week in Vegas. Um, Sportsbook got hammered on on teasers and parlays last week, too. So um, this could be the week, man, that they bounce back. Because last time I checked, Vegas is doing pretty well, as we always talk about. And Vegas comes back. Yeah, dude. They'll probably bounce back. Favorites last week were twelve and four straight up and Ouch. twelve and four against the spread. Ouch, dude. So those are also those are right. So spread bets are very important there. And then at the outright wins, and then those are teasers on top of that that the public has teased down all those, you know, plus six games, those plus seven and a half, or, or made them plus plus sevens and then and took them down to zero. So or or even money, I mean, or even line. 
those were absolutely huge bets last week from some of the data that I got. And uh, that's great because what ends up happening is we end up seeing the public go overboard this week. And the public did well on college, too. We've talked about this on Saturday. A lot of the favorites won. This is going to be a very painful December if you're the betting public. That's my prediction. All right. Well, I hope you're right. And I hope you can uh, get closer to 500 before the playoffs. I better be because if I'm not, Jeff, um, then I turn into a dog. And you can just put me out to pasture or drop me off at the pound on your way to uh, the gym <laughs> or the spa or the spa, whatever you prefer, man. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll put you down though, and I have to since you're my dog, uh, I'm not gonna let anyone else, anyone else put you down. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put the bullet in between your eyes. That's awesome. Just hold me first, please. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you it's gonna be all right. Just yeah, it will be. <laughs> it won't be, but that's fine. <laughs> all right, let's talk about your picks this week. I don't even know what we're jibber jabbering about anymore. Uh, we're opposite on the first one. <laughs> Cleveland Browns, dude, what are you thinking? I'm thinking what everybody's not thinking. I'm thinking that the Cleveland Browns are probably one of the more salient points or salient bets to take going forward because of the fact that they're in complete disarray. The team stinks. Um, The team looks like they're lost. Uh, Obviously, with Deshaun out, I I hear he's going to massage parlors again. Um, I'm sure it's past his time, which is fine. I'm sure he's behaving himself. And it's also like this scenario where you have the Browns coming to this game against the Rams, Jeff, where the Rams are, are, are a huge win. They, 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 the Rams look, they, the Rams look to me better than, than, than they are. I mean, they were at Arizona. That was a, that was a setup where the Rams were bound to probably win that game and, and win it going away. Kyler Murray and the guys just don't have it. Arizona has been so hot and cold this year and they're clearly not playing very hard for, for Kingsbury. But I also look at the fact that the Browns are playing they played that game in Denver pretty well, actually. And that game was closer than what the score would indicate. They lost by by 17 at Denver. But previous to that, they were home to Pittsburgh, beat Pittsburgh barely, yes. And then at Baltimore in that crazy game and won that game. And I know things were different with the offense. And you got a couple guys this week that are questionable. But, it, you know, Dorian, Dorian's questionable. Dorian Thompson-Robinson's questionable. Marquise Goodwin, questionable. But you still have Cooper and those guys um, still come into play, I think, on a, on a weekly basis. And they will play because they still have a 7-4 and four record. They still are well in the hunt for the uh, FC North uh, crown. So, to me, this is something where you've got the public that looks at the Rams here. And a weird spread, if you ask me, Jeff, because you've got the Rams at minus 3.5 is where I've got it on, on, on a couple of the books that I bet at. you got a little bit more juice on the Browns, plus 3.5. And, and as the public has gotten more favored on this one on the Rams – that spread has actually gone kind of the other way. It started, I, I've seen some fours, and now it's come down to three and a half. Saw some fours earlier in the week. So the, the Rams are still a good team. I mean, five and six, two and three at home. Browns are two and three away, so you got the home away records matched up there. And I feel like this is one of those situations where the Browns go out west. There's no home field advantage out in SoFi, except for when you go to those games. And the public is just way too heavy on the Rams needing to cover three and a half. I don't, the, the Browns may not win. But I'll take that three and a half, maybe bump that up to four if it doesn't cost too much, and just watch this one because I think it's going to be a tighter than a lot of people think. I think you're tripping. The Rams are my best bet of the week. Um, Good. The, the, the Browns are the Browns are without Watson. They're without Chubb. They're without their left tackle. They could be without Miles Garrett, Amari Cooper, and Denzel Ward. I mean, you're really 
you're really leaning into the the public bets narrative because that's a, yeah to me from hey, a football point. perspective you don't got much here dude good question dude so here's here's and, and again i'll use the word again because I, it's the word of the day i guess on some dictionary thing i read salient very salient points we get we give sat lessons on this pod too um very salient point about look at all those guys that are possibly out i, I think garrett's gonna play you're right about ward and the Rams passing attack has been pretty good. I mean, you know, the Stafford's looked, looked decent of late, but man, then why is the spread only three and a half? And why has it moved down? You know, because that to me tells me that something's going on here. Again, we talk, we talk about dogs. We talk about weird spreads based on who should be out uh, with Watson long gone. And, you know, uh, PJ Walker, eh, not excited about him that much. Chubber, I mean, Chubb's been in and out of the lineup the whole the whole year. So who cares about him? I mean, I don't. They've they've gone seven and four more or less without without Chubb. I mean, Ford's your your leading rusher at six hundred twenty eight yards on the year. So to me, why is that spread like that then? Because that should be probably a five or a six, based on what you said, which is correct about who's out, who's in, and who's playing well and who's not. And the public is eating that up like a like a like a food bowl for your dog, um, like dog food. And I will take that all day long because. That will be up at maybe four by kick. And that's something I'm comfortable with going in there to L.A. and seeing the Browns step up. Yeah, I think the Browns are still dining off of that Ravens win and beating the 49ers with P.J. Walker, beating the Colts with P.J. Walker, and that defense and Miles Garrett being, you know, world-class. still think they're dining off all that, but this is the healthiest the Rams have been since they won the Super Bowl. And I'm buying well, stock in their in their offense. So, like Matthew well, Stafford it, has to be a top ten quarterback in today's NFL, given the landscape he, of the starters. He should be, and that's the key. He should be. Everything would line up on paper to suggest that, wouldn't it? And the public feels that way too. And you, know, I'm a public hater. I'm a public public fader and hater. And this is a heavy public bet on the Rams. It feels too easy. Give me the Browns. All right. Well, I'll be. Uh, public poly and take the Rams. We'll see. We'll see how yes, my square ass man. does versus your uh, your sharp my analysis. Ass. Yeah, my sharp ass versus your square ass. I like that. <laughs> so true. All right. This is a game we're actually on the same side of, though. Uh, Houston Texans hosting the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos, the luckiest, the luckiest team in the NFL. Their luck is due to run out. That's how I see it. I love C.J. Stroud. I was high on the Texans coming into this year. What is your model saying about this game? Well, good call by you on the Texans. I remember reading some stuff that you put out on the Texans. And, uh, man, you're right about that. And good call on Stroud because nobody liked him. And Stroud, Stroud, I, I mean, Stroud, in, in my theory, could be the MVP of the league, frankly. Here's what, what he's done to the Texans. And, you I guys mean, can't see this, year. but he's saying this as he's wearing an Ohio State hoodie. <laughs> oh, yeah, I am, which I'm about to burn because I went to Ann Arbor this weekend and almost got beat up like 15 times and also told him about the barking dog segment which they promised they would tune into if they could hit me in the face. So I took a couple punches. Um, and so did, so did those Kyle. Those Kyle bruises McCord. are, huh? They are, yeah. I didn't fall down the stairs this time. But here's the th- <laughs> here's the thing. After the game, I might have because um, Kyle McCord is not a guy that I would put stock in in the NFL. But C.J. Stroud, I would. 19 touchdowns on the year, five INTs, 3,266 yards. Nice completion percentage, too. Russell has come along, too, for the Broncos. But to your point, the public loves the Bronx, man. They always have. I kind of like Denver. I mean, it's a cool town. Um, I don't like the unis that they changed, you know, from the old school um, blue and orange back in the day day. However, 
You're right about something, too. Denver has been riding this wave of luck, of fortune, you know, making their own luck, making some, some good fortune. Play calling from Sean Payton has finally turned around. Russell Wilson looks like it's like body snatchers or, or like he got a lobotomy because he figured out how to play. Uh, he forgot. He figured out how to play football again, frankly. Maybe his, maybe his wife told him how to do that again. And you have Houston that just to me looks like a, a team that really has got more going for it than the Broncos do, which is shocking. And other than that loss versus Jacksonville last week, and then you mentioned that the Broncos, I think, Jeff, to your point, too, have the longest win streak uh, for the Broncos since, like, 86 or something crazy, five in a row. And so they have the momentum, and they have the public now, Jeff, finally realizing, and this is what the public does, finally realizing that, oh, my God, the Broncos are really good, and this is a huge game. I mean, this is a playoff matchup, uh, effectively, for that sixth seed, potentially. Um, And so both teams are six and five. Texans are four and two at home. Broncos are even on the road two and two. And the public is heavy on this thinking that the Broncos getting three and a half, which is a pretty big spread. That, that again, is that weird spread kind of area where they're the dogs. So the Houston's favorite, but so they're the public dogs. So Houston's the favorite team, but three and a half. I've seen some fours and Jeff, that spread as a public better, you go to that window and you're like, Oh my God, I can get three and a half and maybe buy a half a point and get this up to four for the Broncos. That's one that the public is taking and has taken all week long. They're going to do that into Sunday. And I think the Houston's take this one and cover this one. Easy peasy, man. Easy peasy. Yeah. Chris Andrews, uh, sports book director for South Point in Vegas, says that the sharper play is usually plus two and a half and minus three and a half because Bingo. The, the public, you know, they see the three in the hook and like, oh man, got to take that. And they're hesitant to take a dog plus two and a half but you got to make those uncomfortable picks usually if you're going to win money in the nfl exactly and 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 the way these spreads are and and vegas knows what they're doing i know they've taken a couple speaking of punches to the face uh these weeks i mean vegas has taken a few and to your to our 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 commentary earlier uh, i i think vegas is not realizing to some degree some days or some weeks how sick some of these dogs are because they're not getting enough points. They're not getting enough treatment. They're not getting enough steroids or whatever you want to call it to get them back to health. But man, this is one of those ones where the public is looking at this and saying, man, Denver's plus three and a half. And, and my data says the public is really starting to give this one the, uh, the, the press. And after a good week, maybe even in, in, in college that maybe they have again on the public side for, for some of the college championship games, you've got the public all over Denver and I will be all over Houston. All right, this is another sharp play, I think, for you. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers public is backing the Eagles at home, as me and Dan Z already talked about. There's some sharp money on the 49ers. The Eagles are a home underdog, even though they represent the NFC in the um, in the Super Bowl last year, and they're a 10-1 team with a possible MVP, a quarterback, Jalen Hurts. But why are you fading all that noise and going with the 49ers? Yeah, I represent Queens. I was raised down in Brooklyn, LL Cool J doing it. And I'm doing the Niners here because <laughs> one of my favorite songs of all time. I wish I'd written that lyric back in the day and given it to LL, but or Mr. Smith, as we like to call him. So the, the 49ers here, favorite. So here's the interesting too, Jeff. This is the Barking Dog segment, which is cool about the segment I like because these are dogs that are sick a little bit, a sick to the public, but maybe not so sick in the spread. And that's why these are public dogs, two of them at least this week, because – these are heavy, heavy dogs in the public eye um, as far as how the public does not want them. So you have San Francisco going into Philly. I've got them at minus three right now, Jeff, as we record the pod late day Wednesday. Um, and you've got 
two teams that are really evenly matched. I mean, you got an eight and three team versus a ten and one team. Eagles undefeated at home. So that's another thing the public is looking at and saying, oh, man, I'm going to the window. I'm getting an undefeated team at home that is coming in for a four o'clock game on the eastern seaboard. So you've, you've got a massive, I mean, you've got a massive floor in that game. It's a game of the week, Fox game. Those guys will be all over it. And, and the 49ers are four and two on the road um, and eight and three overall. Like I said, the Eagles 10 and one. The Eagles are just catching up. You want to talk about breaks. We talked about this with Denver being a lucky team. The Eagles have caught a lot of breaks, man. And they, made, they make their breaks. I get it. They've got a great team. They've got a great staff. But it's one of those issues where the Niners come in with a lot more to gain than the Eagles, I think, do have to lose. So what you're kind of looking for, I think, in this game is a back-and-forth game, heavy flow, heavy offense. There are going to be some good defensive plays, but I think this is likely more of a shootout than anything. And the Niners have shown, man, over the course of the teams that they've played, I mean, they're averaging in the last five games, they're averaging close to 30 points a game. Eagles can put it up, too. But the Eagles' defense, man, I mean, they gave up 31 points at Washington four weeks ago. They gave up 17 to Miami, which, you know, wasn't too bad, but that was a week before Washington. And then played Buffalo last week, and which was an amazing game at home. They almost lost that game with Josh Allen still playing very well, I guess, for his sake, for, for his standards. But, man, I watched that game pretty closely. And the Eagles' D and some of the play calling, you know, even on the um, Buffalo side, something was weird there. I was surprised Buffalo was moving the ball that well. And still Eagles didn't seem to make a lot of adjustments. And we've seen Buffalo a lot this year, Jeff. We've talked about Buffalo on the pod. We've talked about it offline. Um, It was a little bit of a surprising performance where you have the Niners that are coming in um, at Seattle, blew them out. They were home to Tampa Bay, beat them by 13 at Jacksonville, blew them out. And then they lost two games before that against my boys, Minnesota five weeks ago. And at Cincinnati, we talked about both of those games. So, the Niners have a lot more to gain here, as I said prior, than the Eagles do. And I think the Eagles have not shown as well as they have recently via the scores and the record. And that 5-0 and team that's at home, that as the public walks up to that betting window or goes on their favorite points bet or, say, DraftKings or whoever, wherever they're betting through, they see that they've got a chance to get a home dog, effectively, even though it's a public dog now because the public's all over them. And they're getting three points for the Eagles at home. They're getting the Eagles plus three. They're taking that thing all day long and twice on Sunday, so I'm taking the Niners. Yeah, if I had to pick one way or the other, I'd definitely take the Niners, but as I already talked about, Dan Z, this game is too tough. Um, it makes you a better man than me, at least in this game, because I there's no way I could be fading the Philadelphia Eagles at home, uh, even though everything tells me the Niners are the play. Jeff, listen to your heart. Because um, that's <laughs> something, too, that, like, I mean, that's another great, great song, Listen to Your Heart. Um, I think it's Roxette because that's the setup. The, the, the perfect scenario is, I mean, they're going to drill this thing as an early preview of the NFC championship. Yep. They're going to blow this thing up and maybe it's a boring game too, but I trust the Niners defense after I've seen what I've seen from them versus what I've seen from the Eagles defense. I like Jalen Hurts, Brock Purdy's come back a little bit. And you're going to use the term again, Jeff. It's going to mean revert. I mean, I doubt the Eagles go undefeated for the whole season at home. I mean, they're going to lose one or two. They're going to have to. Most teams don't go undefeated at home. I mean, good teams do. I think the Eagles are good. I don't think they're great. So good teams go can, can run the, run the table and say, and say their season at home. The home field advantage is there for the Eagles going, going East for the Niners is not a problem being that second slate of games, as I mentioned. And I think the public's going to be duped by this one, man, and getting three points. I, I think that I think the Niners can easily cover this against the Eagles. Well, I have a trend that's going to make you feel better about this pick. Since hiring Kyle Shanahan as their coach, 
The 49ers are 8-1 straight up and 7-2 and against the spread as a road favorite versus teams above 500. So, Jeff, no wonder you have a podcast. There you go, buddy. <laughs> so I mean, the, I'm just a sideshow. I, I come up with the ideas, and you, you, you validate them, and I appreciate it very much because that's, again, stats that as a public better, you need to know those things. Not only just fading public bets, but those are stats that are, that are kind of those underlying things that are, are proven. I mean, they're proven true over enough data points. I mean, I'd like huh? you know, you, you'll see from this, from this result, man, it'll, it'll back it even further. I think this one's Niners all day long. Yeah, and as you alluded to, this is why you got to listen to the Outkick Bets podcast. Even if we're not hitting all of our picks, we're giving you guys actionable intel and stuff that you can use to help your own handicapping process. So hopefully we're helping out. Where can people find you for other stuff? Because you do a lot. I do a lot. Um, I do a lot in my own mind, at least. And it's nice to hear somebody else say that for once. Oh, my God. So you can find me on Twitter. I appreciate I you, Scott. I appreciate yep. you. Jeff, I love you so hard. It's I, You can find me on Twitter. I won't ever call it X, even though I just did, at Scotty Markets. We're talking sports. We're talking music and maybe a little bit of food that we eat, too. <laughs> All right. You can follow me at Jeffrey underscore Clark. More importantly, follow Outkick Bets. Check out my handicaps on outkick.com backslash betting. Please subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff on Apple Podcasts. Show us some love because... We're putting in the work to try to give you guys some at least good gambling intel. Until next week, peace.